For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello welcome to the Arash Markazi Show, brought to you by the Sporting Tribune. It is Friday, that can only mean one thing, it is Legends of Sport Friday. That means we're joined by a good friend. It's Andy Bernstein. Hey Andy, how are you? I'm great, Arash. I'm great. Little, little tired. You had a oh. long night last night at the Pau Gasol Jersey Retirement festivities always great to talk to you we were uh lucky to chat with you during the super bowl week the day after the lebron um night happened uh you could not have predicted that you you can kind of look at the calendar and think that would happen long night for you this one though uh this one you knew this date would come this this date was circled on the calendar this was a very special moment i'm sure for you you chronicled Powell's entire career from the moment he got traded here from the grizzlies three trips to the finals back-to-back titles just an amazing human being what was that night like for you well, you talking about last night? Yes. Well, yeah. Well, what was what was the power of retirement like? Well, retirement. I'll tell you, man. It was um, it was very very emotional night. Uh, you know, Pow talked about it um, at the press conference. He talked about it uh, at center court during the actual ceremony. But you know, it's it's just impossible to honor him and his, what he accomplished as a Laker without feeling the Mamba himself in the room, you know, yeah. and Kobe's spirit was, was just permeating, um, the atmosphere. We all felt it. Um, you know, there's, it's a mixture of, of extreme sadness, but it's also mixed in with, from his point of view, I think incredible gratitude, incredible opportunity, brotherhood, love, um so it was, a, it was a it was a big mixture of emotions man i i think i'm feeling like the after effects now today um and he was so genuine about it you know yeah. he didn't skirt the issue he answered the questions at the press conference <clears throat> he um addressed it in his speech and um you know deservingly so that he has his jersey retired i mean he was a guy with you know an incredible skill set who came to the lakers who was in three um, consecutive finals, winning two of them, and um, invigorated the franchise, quite yeah. frankly. So, 
you know, the Laker fans should be very, very grateful to the, the Laker organization for bringing Powell in when they did um, in 2008, you know, to sort of rescue the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the theme for today's show, my friend, is good guys in sports. Because if yeah. I were to do a Mount Rushmore of good guys that we've covered, that you've shot, uh, Grant Hill and Powell Gasol are, are at the top of that list. That is your guest this week. Um, you guys have a very special connection, 2018. You guys go into the Hall of Fame together. I do think that there's a bond there with that a classmate of yours. Um, touch mm. on the conversation you had this week, or sorry, that you recorded. It, it's a classic, but uh, just a, a, an amazing story, an amazing player, an amazing man in Grant Hill. Well, Grant is, like you said, one of those good guys, you know, I mean, when I first met Grant, he was a rookie playing for Detroit and I was sent out by some magazine to shoot a cover of him. He could not have been more gracious and, and gave me enough time. And I remember he was actually injured at the time oh. and, and the cover um, assignment was to have him dunking um, in a posed way, um, like a studio kind of thing. And, and he did it. I mean, we, <laughs> we had to sort of augment the, uh, the setup, but he did it and he was wonderful. And he's always super nice. Um, one of those guys who always says hi to you, you know, asks you how your family do is doing, looks you in the eye <clears throat> and it's very genuine. <clears throat> and by the way, a hell of a basketball player, Yeah, you know, like pal, I mean, this guy, you know, Came from an incredible organization in college, playing, um, you know, under Coach K, and uh, very highly regarded, highly touted. Um, you know, back then there was that whole talk of like the next MJ, you know, and of course he was in that conversation. I, I don't think Grant, he he never shied away from it, but I don't think it was something like he wanted to perpetuate, you know. He, like Kobe said, you know, I don't want to be the next Michael Jordan. I want to be the first Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. And Grant was the same way. Um, and a fierce competitor, you know, which, again, parallel to Powell, you know, you, you look at the guy and how he handles himself and and his professionalism and sort of his sort of um, nice guy demeanor. But, you know, you throw the ball up in the air and the guy's an assassin on the court. And uh, that – you know, that came from his upbringing, his dad, Calvin yeah. Hill, you know, Hall of Fame uh, football player for, for Dallas for the Dallas Cowboys and um, wonderful family. Uh, and now look what he's doing. I mean, yeah. you know, he's running USA Basketball. He has probably the preeminent um, collection of African-American art in this country um, outside a major museum. I mean, yeah. collector. Um, he's a co-owner of the Atlanta Hawks, still doing broadcasting. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how this guy finds the time of day, the day to do it, but he does. It's incredible. And once again, we are only playing just a, a, a snippet, a portion of this amazing conversation you had with Grant Hill. If, if the folks tuning in want to hear the entire thing, how can they do that? Yeah, thanks, Arash. Um, well, you can find the Legends of Sport podcast um, on our home base of iHeart but also Apple, Spotify, whatever podcast platform you go to. Um, we also release um, our new episodes on video. This one is a classic episode, so we don't have it on video, but our, our YouTube channel, Legends of Sport. And uh, please go to our website, which is kind of the home base for everything Legends of Sport. You know, it has our blog, it has the stories, it has 
all the archive of the podcast that you can click on um, legendsofsport.net. So, uh, yeah, this was a great conversation. Yeah. You know, I love releasing these classics because yeah. they're very special to me because, and, and we really go into all of our episodes and, and try to find the ones that would be most interesting for the fans, especially this time of year, you know, getting into March Madness, mm -hmm. you know, Grant's history in college basketball. And uh, so, you know, enjoy this one, folks, because it was a really, really great conversation. I love it. It's Legends of Sport Friday this week. It's Grant Hill. You know this, but I went to UMass right up the street, mm -hmm. basically from Springfield, from the Hall of Fame. So it's kind of, as Phil Jackson would say, a real life full circle event for me yeah. to have shot my first published basketball photo at UMass and then to go back and be honored by the Hall of Fame. So um, what does going into the Hall of Fame mean to you? I mean, it, it put it in perspective for people who are listening who know about you and your career. Yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those things, Andrew, that I really don't think as a player throughout my career, my early stages, um, when things were really good for me in Detroit, that I ever really thought about. You know, the idea of the Hall of Fame seemed so down the road, <laughs> it seemed so sort of uh, foreign to me. Look, when I first came in the league, the idea of being 30 seemed yeah. so far down the yeah, road. Yeah, you and me both, um, for sure. But you know, I think for me, uh, my career, went, I went through a lot. I mean, I had great success mm -hmm. early on in college and in the NBA. Then I went through some really tough times being mm -hmm. hurt mm -hmm. and then sort of came back at the end in, in a different role. Um, and so, uh, to, to, you know, I wasn't sure if it would happen. Mm -hmm. And um, and so now it, it, I think because of missing some 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 really great years and sort of when I was so-called in my prime mm -hmm. because I was hurt, mm -hmm. uh, I always felt like I missed out. Like mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, my career was somewhat incomplete. Mm -hmm. And I think this instantly validates you. Mm -hmm. And uh, look, there's one hundred and eighty one. Uh, Hall of members of the Hall of Fame. I think there's 150 living, mm -hmm. and you think about like 150 living people, mm -hmm. part of this, this, this sort of fraternity, mm -hmm. um, this family uh, of all the billions of people <laughs> that are out there in the world. It's it, you're definitely in rarefied air, and uh, it's definitely a tremendous, tremendous honor mm -hmm. that I didn't think I would be as emotional about, yeah. or really just, um, I, I didn't think I would. Um, when I got the news that it would it would affect me the way it did, mm -hmm. and I, I did get a little emotional, if I must confess. Yeah, I gotta admit I did too. Because <laughs> uh, you know I never even thought about it honestly, and um, it was a huge, incredible surprise for right. me. Um, so when you're up there and uh, you're making that speech, I mean, you've obviously started to think about the speech, right? Yeah. Yes, and no. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, I, I've been to the enshrinement ceremony before, mm -hmm. and um, as a spectator, somebody in the crowd, it's it's just magical. Mm -hmm. It's like basketball royalty. You know, people that I've admired, people I've read about, people who uh, are so integral to the success of, of the sport throughout the years and going way back. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's like you're, you know, the basketball gods are all there. And uh, and so, um, 
but it also can get long winded. Yeah. <laughs> it can be a long night. Yeah. And we have 13 this year in our oh class. My goodness. And I so, think some of those guys are still speaking. Uh, if exactly. You back today, they'd still be up there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, but you know what? I can, I get it. You get in that, you get to that point, you reflect, you start thinking about the people who helped you along yeah. the way and you want to acknowledge everybody. Absolutely. And there's just, you know, I played 19 years. I played four years in college. Yeah. I had a lot of teammates, a lot of coaches. A lot of doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. And you want to thank them all. Well, I want to go back a little bit to your childhood growing up. Your dad, of course, Calvin Hill, you know, one of the greatest running backs in, in NFL history. And he was playing when you were a kid, right? I right. mean, what was that like? I mean, now you're a dad and you're away from your kids. And, and I guess you had retired. Your kids were very little, right, when you were still playing. Yeah, right? no. My my young, 12 and 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 5 mm-hmm. when I, when i retired right right so yes. you're traveling do the whole nba thing right. right and then you grew up in a similar situation with your dad yeah so what was that like were you schlepping around with him from city to city when he <laughs> moved i mean he played a year in hawaii i think he was 3 yeah. years old yeah right yeah. was he gone that whole time or no we we moved to hawaii no, <laughs> yes we did we i was born in dallas <laughs> and obviously my dad played for the cowboys yeah yeah in the world football league which people sort of tend to re- forget I sure guess like i worked the, for the usfl believe USFL. it or not yeah, yeah. so yeah. the world football league in the 70s we moved out to hawaii i think they offered him more money in one year than yeah. he made in five years with the Cowboys. Oh he got hurt, right? He got hurt out there. So yeah. he tore his ACL yeah. out there yeah, in, um, in, in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did. We moved around. Uh, we went to D.C. when he came back from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And then he finished his career in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And my mom at that point said, look, we're not moving. <laughs> yeah. We're going to stay here in D.C. <laughs> yeah. But we would commute. We'd go up every right. home game. Uh-huh. And go to Cleveland. And uh-huh. But, you know, as a kid, it was fun. I mean, as someone who loved sports mm-hmm. and having the access mm-hmm. to um you know to the locker room to players to their families um it just it gave you a really sort of cool perspective yeah. um i think obviously you know being in the mix and being on the sidelines and all that kind of stuff at training camp but i also think you saw very early um the good and the bad mm-hmm. you saw the sacrifice the hard work uh, sometimes a strain on family. Sure. I think you also saw and, and at least heard from my parents some of the examples of people who didn't handle that well. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think absorbing all of that at a young age, not knowing, my parents not knowing that I'd ever be in that situation where I'd be a professional. Right. I, I do think it, it it gave me perspective as I you know have gone through this journey on my own. Yeah. And did your dad, I mean, obviously football player, did you play football growing up? No. High so, school at all? No. no. So, so Hoops I, was your thing? I loved football. Right. Like I grew up. That was, I've even been told that was one of the first words I ever said, football. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, my mom to this day is a diehard football fan. Um, but my dad wouldn't let me play until mm. I got to high school. Oh, really? And he didn't play until he got to high school. No kidding. Why, why so, was that? I mean, because well, he grew up in, in the Bronx, right? He grew up in dad? Baltimore, but went to yeah. private school in the Bronx. Yeah. And so baseball was oh, his sport okay and that's what he played yeah. and not until he went to to riverdale in the bronx did he get exposed to oh, football okay. organized football and he was really good at it yeah um so his thing was he did it so i'm gonna do it that way and he didn't want some little league parent thinking they were vince lombardi mm-hmm. and he just felt like you needed to be physically older mm-hmm. to play yeah but by the time i got to high school mm-hmm. i kind of had no like i resented football yeah 
and because I was so close to it, but not allowed to play it. Mm-hmm. And so I had by then fallen in love with basketball. That's amazing. Did he play basketball? Your dad? Girl? You know what? He, he says he did. <laughs> we don't have any. There's no verification. Right. right. Uh, the yearbook said he, he did yeah. have. You know, he did have a record for I think twenty eight. 30, 20, 28 rebounds in a high school game. No He's kidding. Cooling. I mean, well, it was Riverdale, Horseman, you know, some of those yeah. sort of right. uh, uh, schools up there in the Bronx, yeah. um, the uh, the boarding schools. But, mm-hmm. you know, from, from his – you talk to him, he, he excelled at everything. Yeah. Football, basketball, baseball, <laughs> track. Yeah, so, yeah. You're really close with your dad still? Yeah, no, I'm close. I mean, look, yeah. I'm an only child of two only children. Mm. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very close with, with both my parents. Yeah. And, uh, and they're both doing well. And I'm, you know, I'm excited that they're, you know – they're alive and mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and and they're going to be able to uh, share this this moment with me at the Hall of Fame because they've they've been the two that have been there, you know, from the very start. Yeah, and that's, uh, a, that's just a beautiful thing. A lot of people might not know, or maybe they did know, but that your mom was basically a roommate of Hillary Clinton at Wellesley, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Were you active in uh, in her whole campaign and? Was your mom? I know your mom was right. She came yeah. Out. So um, yes. So my mom was roommates with uh, with, with Hillary Rodman. Hillary at the time. Rod- yes, yeah. exactly. In, right. in college, and uh, and and surprisingly, I guess uh, Hillary was. Oh my gosh! I don't know if I should call it Hillary. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hillary was was conservative in, in college. Interesting. And, and certainly changed yeah. as as she got older, but. Um, following them, you know, yeah, I campaigned, my mom campaigned, mm-hmm. um, you know, we going back to President Clinton in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a great story. So yeah. in, in 1988, uh, I'm in an AAU basketball tournament mm-hmm. and we are playing in Jonesboro, Arkansas. It's 15 and under national championships. Mm-hmm. And I'd already been through the AAU circuit. It's a lot different back then than it is now. You had one championship game, national championship tournament mm. every summer. And so by then, we had already befriended Chris Weber and his family, mm-hmm. and they were playing for the Detroit Super Friends. So after this, I was a rising junior. He was a rising sophomore. So after the tournament, we were going to show up, go, uh, go to Princeton to play in the Nike camp, uh-huh. which was like the elite camp uh, in high school basketball back then. And so we would be about two days late, and my mom was going to chaperone. She was going to fly us there, mm-hmm. drive us to Princeton, and, and drop us off. And so our championship game, my team played in the championship. We played against um, Allen Henderson's team from Indiana, and we beat them in the finals. And so afterwards, our whole team goes to celebrate at a water park, and we bring Chris Weber with us. And so Weber's there, my teammates, Randolph Childress, who oh, played sure. for a hot second in the NBA. Yeah. And so we're all at the water park. Chelsea Clinton is like a little girl. Yeah, and right. She's with us, yeah. and 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 you know Governor Clinton then and his wife. Yeah. And so afterwards, the next day, we 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 fly to LaGuardia. We get a car, and my mom's driving us. She said, "You know, he's going to be president next yeah. day." And we had no concept. This was like 1988. This was before um, the. I think the, the later on that year, I guess he he spoke at the Democratic convention, right? In '88. Uh, yeah. Um, and. I think Michael Dukakis was running for, for president mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, it was like my yeah. mom said it, and we're just like, okay, whatever. And then like four years later, he's president. That, that is amazing. <laughs> did you get to go to the White House when he was president? I did. did I did. Hang I did. out I went a, a few bit? times. Yeah. Um, went to, to state dinners, went to various functions, a oh, couple concerts. Fun. Yeah. Uh, and then was fortunate you know, to do so um, a lot during the Obama administration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, actually Obama's. Uh, President Obama's, the first lady, Michelle Obama, uh-huh. 
uh, my mom was a mentor of hers back in the in the 90s. No kidding. And wow, so what a connection. My wife and I were at a fundraiser mm-hmm. for her in 2000, uh, 2008 yeah. in Phoenix. Yeah. And she acknowledges us in the crowd. <laughs> and then she starts talking about my mother. And I had no idea. Uh-huh. I had no idea that the relationship that my mom knew wow. uh, her. And so uh, my mom so just never brought it up. Pretty never much. brought it up. <laughs> and so uh, but that was cool. And uh, and so, you know, through different administrations to have that kind of access and yeah. relationship has right. been pretty cool. Right. That That is incredible. I, I was lucky to go to the White House three times uh, with the Lakers, which was oh, fantastic. Yeah. You know, it was so great. Yeah. And uh it's it's an incredible experience to walk through the White House with Shaq. I got to tell you. Oh, I'm sure. It's never a dull moment with I'm him. I'm sure. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm sure nothing's never dull with yeah. Shaq. That's yeah, for sure. One other thing I forgot to tell you: my dad was a fraternity brother, a W at Yale. Oh, really? Yeah. And wow. So, okay. Um, now they had different political beliefs, but sure. um, you know, even to this day, I, I've seen President Bush a few times mm-hmm. in the last four or five years at yeah. different speaking events, and he'll say, you know. <laughs> How's H doing? I guess he called my dad H, and uh, right. my dad, everybody called him W. That's and, okay. uh, and so, yeah, the, the, the degrees of separation uh, up until now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, up until now, when everybody's keeping away from the White House, like it's got the plague or something. Very much so. It, uh, yeah, incredible. I thought it was amazing what the Warriors did, honestly, that they chose, obviously, not to meet with the president, but to do something in the community. And, right. um, you know, that organization really has led the way, I think, in all of sports, not just our sport, but all of sports, to set up kind of the tone as to what should really be going on. All right, let's leave it there for now. And again, an amazing Legends of Sport Friday this week with Grant Hill. I got to know Grant a little bit when he was with the Los Angeles Clippers at the end of his career. At that point, he was more of a role player, that vet that you kind of need in that locker room to calm things down, you know, when it was Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan. But uh, just an amazing player, an amazing man, and an amazing story. And you're going to hear more of that when we come back. More Legends of Sport Friday with Grant Hill. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune. Again, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. It is Legends of Sport Friday. That is, that is What that means is we're here with our good friend. It's Andy Bernstein. I... um. I made a mistake. So you guys did not go into the Hall of Fame the same year. You you went in in 2018. This conversation took place that year during the NBA Finals, right? 
Yeah, that's correct. Um, Grant was working the NBA finals as a broadcaster and uh, <clears throat> he was he was gracious enough um, on a game day, honestly, wow. in the morning to do this interview at his hotel. Wow. And he had just flown in. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of guy he was, man. I, you know, I had a little meeting room set up. He came down, did the interview. Both of us <laughs> went, changed clothes and went to the, uh, the finals game. <laughs> and that was in Cleveland. So wow. anyway, um, that doesn't happen very often. And I don't ask that kind of favor from people very often, but he was amazing to do it. Yeah. And, and just again, when you think about the career that he had, one of the greatest collegiate players mm-hmm. of all time, and again, you, you talked about it. I mean, a lot of people thought he was the next Jordan or could be a, an incredible career, though. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he won a, a gold, um, just, just, just had an amazing career. And the, one of the things I really appreciated about him was able to adapt you know, there's a lot, a lot of players towards the end of their career when they can't um, perform at the heights that they once did, can't t- t- adapt. The way that he played with the Suns, for example, yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah, for sure. Look, he came in. You know, he was supposed to be the savior of the of, of the Pistons franchise in Detroit. Unfortunately, got hurt, and that injury um lingered with him it it never he never really like fully overcame that injury of course he you know performed at super high level ended up at the suns um i think he had another stop in between yeah and then finished up his career at the clippers um you know it was great to have him in la it was it was a little bit of a mixed feeling for me because you know he was not the grand hill that i had remembered from 15 years before But he still helped the Clippers. I, I oh, do yeah. remember there were moments, you know, with and he played sporadically, but um, you know, he was inserted in when they needed him and he had that veteran leadership, of course, in the locker room, which is important for that, you know, young crew of guys on the Clipper team. So um, you know, I, I know you know, Grant was one of those guys who who knew that the sun was setting on his career, but he still had a little bit of juice left and he could still help a, a franchise like the Clippers. And he did. 100%. And so that, that's my connection with Grant. I mean, I was covering those Clippers teams and he was just such a great, a vet presence, which you kind of need. You kind of yeah. need those guys who kind of can calm down the young guys. Um, so Andy, uh, you know, a lot of the questions that we get every week is, I mean, look, look at these amazing pictures. Look at these amazing uh, times that you've, you've captured. How can I do what, what you've done? You are going to have a great workshop, my friend. If you could kind of talk about the thought process behind that and how can people apply? Well, yeah, thanks, Arash. You know, uh, a lot of people reach out to me, young photographers, um, sports fans who wanted to know just know like how did you take that picture what was your relationship like with kobe how did you build your career things like that and uh you know this is not a how to be a sports photographer per se um workshop um you know i'm not going to get into f-stops and shutter speeds and things like that but i will talk about how to build a career how to enlist a trust um loyalty longevity uh, what I learned from the Mamba, you know, from Kobe himself, the pillars of the Mamba mentality will really be kind of the backbone of this workshop. It's going to be 12 weeks. Um, it's going to be live. So people will be able to interact with me, ask questions. 
which is a little bit different than the average master class, which is a prepackaged thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we start up in June, and if folks want to find out more about it and sign up, we're running a special right now, a spring special um, for early bird signups. Um, please go to uh, on on the web. Go to um, beyondthelens.live. Beyondthelens.live. That's the website, and it will have all the information there. Also, you can find it on my LinkedIn, Andrew D. Bernstein, as well as uh, my Instagram at ADB Photo Inc. So a lot of places you can find it. Love it. Can't wait for that. Uh, With that said, let's now go to the second part of Legends of Sport Friday with Grant Hill. That's our song, right? And so you're playing for something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. You're playing for your country. So guys really understood that. But then also, like, when we win the gold medal, mm-hmm. we're going to hear that song. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, it, stuff like that, I mean, it, it just, he has a way of, of, of making you uh, understand the vision mm-hmm. and really all working together to get there. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's, that's his genius. He's a tremendous leader who just happens to coach basketball. Yeah, yeah, very true. <laughs> you know, he, he said something, I'm sure you've heard it many times, that, that he doesn't really... Um, agree with the leave your ego at the door thing you said bring your ego into the room but all your egos have to work together and you know he's talking about superstars in the same room together you know sharing the ball and for as you said a bigger goal the goal is to win the gold medal for the country funny story my freshman year first practice i put the ball above my head in practice when i catch it and Mm -hmm. that's a very north carolina thing Mm -hmm. that they do and like i said i grew up watching north carolina and he stops practice. And I know, you know, he stops. He says, son, don't ever put your, and he might have, you know, thrown yeah. in a few curse words. Yeah, don't right. ever put the ball above your head. He says, you are a robot when you do that. He mm. says, you can do things that I can't teach. Mm. So do them. Wow. And, and so it's, it's, he just has, he has a way of empowering you. Mm. Like, in, like my problem was I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. That was part of my personality. Yeah. I didn't want to stick out. Yeah. And he, I think, if anything, I took from those four years. And those four years helped me big time in terms of coming in the league and then being able to like uh, assert myself right away and have success. Mm-hmm. But don't be afraid to be great. Yeah. And yeah. I ha- it took me a while to get to that point. And he kept, it was like he kept nudging me. Like, yeah. you know, no. like when you go to, remember one, one summer he told me, when you go to dinner, and there's roll there's rolls at the table. Don't take one, take two. Like be greedy, you <laughs> right. know. And 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 so right. I needed that. Right. And and but you're right. Yeah. You know, be great, be yourself, have an ego, but do it within the, the framework yeah. of the team. Yeah. How did you end up going to Duke? Because apparently your dad wanted you to go to the, to Carolina. Your mom wanted you to go to Georgetown, <laughs> right? So you ended up at Duke. Was it solely because of Coach K's sales pitch? Or? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So. My dad and I were, my dad was a big Dean Smith fan, Carolina fan from, you know, way back and, and understandably so. He had a, a fantastic coaching career. Mm. Uh, and so that, that was sort of projected on me. Yeah. And then, um, the first real college basketball game I watched was Georgetown, Carolina, 1982 mm. Final Four, sure. when Michael Jordan hit the game winning shot and kind of really propelled him and sure. put him on the map. And so after that year, a guy from our high school, uh, that that was right in town where I lived in Reston, Virginia. He was going to Georgetown the next year. Michael Jackson. Ah. He uh, was 
point guard there at Georgetown, played yeah, I in the NBA. Him, sure. Played for a couple years. Yeah. So my mom got season tickets. Mm-hmm. She got two tickets. So she and I would go to all these Georgetown games. <laughs> so it was kind of like all of a sudden, um, you know, as I'm sort of becoming a good player, I'm being recruited. It was like mm-hmm. my mom wanted Georgetown because it's close to home, right? which would have been a disaster because my mom would have been in my dorm room every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bring, bringing your lunch, Bring, doing your laundry. Yeah, it would have been terrible. But no, yeah. it, 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 actually, no, I think about it. You know, at least I had a clean room. Um, yeah, right. But um, And then my dad, Carol, you know, Carolina, but Coach K. I mean, I just, yeah. the more I talked to him, the more I became familiar with yeah. what he was about, what his program was about, what his vision was. Mm-hmm. It was a no-brainer. Yeah. And that's, think about it. Like, I made that decision at 16. Yeah, that's You know, at 16, yeah. like, I'm making this decision, and it just felt right. And I'll tell you what. Yeah. My parents are diehard Duke. My mom's on the – she's a board of trustee member at Duke. I mean, right. she's all in. Yeah, yeah. My dad is as well, and <laughs> they loved every minute of those four years. Yeah. That was, that was a special time, not just for our team, but mm-hmm. our, our family to all sort of experience that. That was, that was a, a great time, yeah, uh, that's, something that, we all enjoyed. Kobe talks about that if, if he had gone to college, that that's where he was going to go, Duke, because of Coach K. And we wish and he, he had got, gone. Then he got to play for him, obviously, you know, in 2008 and 2012 on the Olympic team. Right. No, yeah. I – and I, I mean, look, first of all, I mean, Kobe had a great career and, and yeah. have the utmost respect for him. But there's a part of me that wishes maybe he had gone there just for a year or two. Right. We might have we might have a, a sixth championship oh. at Duke if uh, if he had done that. But yeah. Um, well, what's your take then on guys? You know, you went four years and a lot of your contemporaries did, of course, because back then it was the norm pretty much to go four years. Now it's one and done. And there's so right. much controversy as to, you know, do they need to be 19, 20, whatever it is? I mean, what's what's your view just, you know, on all that? Well, you know, I was also recently this year on the commission for college basketball chaired by Condoleezza Rice. And mm. so we were charged by the NCAA of making recommendations to fix some of the problems that exist. Mm. Uh, and so there was a school of thought that if you open it up and let kids come right out of high school, like Kobe and uh, Garnett mm-hmm. and Tracy McGrady were and, and countless others were able to experience then it'll it'll sort of remove maybe some of the potential problems in the college game, and I mm-hmm. think we're we're going down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, with that said, look, if I came out now, if I was an elite high school player, there'd be unbelievable pressure to come right out of high school yeah. if that were the rule or do a one and done. Yeah, and I probably would do that. You mm-hmm. know, my parents probably wouldn't like it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that pressure, mm-hmm. and you know, for me. It was the best thing I could have ever done. Mm-hmm. And I was there long enough to really kind of experience what's, what college, uh, college life is like. Sure. I didn't just learn from the classroom of K, yeah. as I like to say. But yeah. I learned from some great professors. I learned from some other students mm-hmm. who, who are from all over the country, all over the world, and have some so meaningful uh, relationships, uh, experiences. Like. Uh, I wasn't dying to get out of college. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, like I enjoyed, like, it was almost like I wish I could have stayed another yeah. year. But you knew that the NBA was going to be there. No, I knew it was there. And, and, and you, you graduated with a double major of history right. and political science, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of were thinking past the NBA career at that point, kind of like, all right, I'm going to have a life after the NBA. Right. And, you know, it's, a lot of these guys aren't thinking about that, unfortunately. No, no they're and not. And they're coming out early, and then they get to the you know early thirties or whatever, and now what? They got a lot of money, but right. you got life in front of you. And, and the great thing, uh, Andrew, is that um, 
like I have been able to reconnect mm-hmm. with my alma mater mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and the, the the doors that have opened. Look, I'll be honest with you. This yeah. whole relate this this involvement with the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Came through Duke. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about and, how that and, all happened. I mean, I, I can tell you how, but like, so, but just you're right. You retire at 32, 34, or in my case, 40. Mm. I played 19 years, mm. but you still have a lot of life in front of you. Yeah, and and I'm not saying you have to have gone to college to 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 to, to make that transition. And certainly, somebody like Kobe seems like he's made made a great transition. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of Kobe Bryant's out there. Right. Not a lot of you know, Tracy McGrady's and Kevin Garnett's. Mm -hmm. And so what are you doing with the rest of your life? And I just feel Mm -hmm. for me, those friendships, those relationships, um, they have been tremendous resources Mm -hmm. as I'm trying to navigate, you know, sort of this next phase of my life. Mm -hmm. And look, let me tell you, I don't care how much money you make, how much success you have as as an NBA athlete. When it's over, there's a part of you that, I hate to use the word dies, mm-hmm. but there's a part of you that mm-hmm. that does. And now you have to figure out what's what's, what's going to be fulfilling. Yeah. You, you know, it's not about the money necessarily, if you've been good with your money or if you made a lot of money, mm-hmm. but it's just transition. What's going to give you that same motivation and drive to get up and go to work that basketball did? And we're all mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. Right. And I'm telling you, Duke. And it's not a that, not that it's Duke. It could be Carolina. It could be Michigan. It could yeah. be any school. Yeah. USC. But that has become a tremendous resource mm-hmm. as I've sort of tried to figure it yeah. all out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you, you also have to really be prepared. It's not like you're going to retire and then, you know, the next day you wake up, okay, now what am I going to do? Right. There's a lot of preparation ahead of time. So tell us, tell everyone, especially me, because I don't know the story, how you got involved with the Atlanta Hawks. How did it all come about? Yeah, so <clears throat> there is a, a gentleman named Bruce Karsh who mm-hmm. happens to be a minority partner for the Golden State Warriors. Mm. So a couple of Duke classmates of mine uh, had a deal, and Bruce was in the deal, I was in the deal, so we were both partners in this deal, mm-hmm. and we met that way. Bruce uh, runs Oak Tree Financial. He's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done very well for himself. When I played with the Clippers, mm-hmm. I would go to breakfast with Bruce once a month mm-hmm. and just pick his brain, yeah. no agenda, just, hey, let's talk. Let's talk. About, well, we started talking about the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And look, this is maybe an opportunity. Yeah. And so long story short, we knew that there was going to be transition from David Stern to Adam Silver. Yeah. Adam's a dookie. Right. You know, maybe right. we'll once Adam gets in, gets settled that uh. off season, we'll we'll sort of, you know, come meet with him and uh. talk about how we can maybe, you know, whatever. We'll just let him know that we were interested. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, li- literally like three weeks before our meeting, mm-hmm. everything implodes with Donald Sterling. Mm-hmm. So now there's a fire sale. There's an open auction. Right. And so Bruce brought in Tony Ressler, who's okay. another gentleman who's the CEO, chairman of uh, Aries Capital, mm-hmm. and the three of us bid on the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Now, we were $800 million <laughs> short. <laughs> yeah, here um, comes Steve Bomber with that $2 billion yes, check. Yes, yes. That was, uh, it was uh, definitely humbling. And we shocked. thought we were pretty aggressive. We, we said, oh. you know what? Like, we, 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 we feel good about our bid. And then we were... Uh, you know, yeah. we were we were we definitely lost in that case, but uh-huh. that then uh, I developed a, a friendship and a relationship with Tony Wrestler, mm-hmm. and Tony was very aggressive about wanting to, to buy a team. And mm. you know, fast forward a year later, we ended up closing on the Hawks, mm. and so he uh, is obviously a managing partner. 
I'm vice chairman of yeah. our ownership group. Yeah. And uh, but see that you talk about planning. Uh-huh. I had been thinking about ownership from the time I came into the NBA, mm. and I had a chance to spend a lot of time with the, the late Bill Davis. Oh yeah, he must have been a great mentor. Great mentor, yeah. great friend, uh, just a great owner, businessman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so picking his brain, learning mm-hmm. from him. So to me. It was a sort of something I envisioned way back then. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it's the universe. I don't know. But I, I do think I was very intentional about the relationships, very intentional about uh, wanting to position myself to one day uh, have that opportunity. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't think it would happen two years after I retired. That's amazing. That's <laughs> but amazing. it did happen. And it's been, I tell you, it has been. Uh, an absolute joy yeah. to be involved with the game mm-hmm. on this side. Yeah. And uh, it's also incredibly nerve-wracking and frustrating, and you don't realize as a player sometimes <laughs> just the amount of difficult decisions that go into running an organization. But mm-hmm. um, From top to bottom. From top basketball to Basketball and non-basketball. Business, basketball. Right. Did the Hawks um, own the Phillips Arena? Did they own that? So we don't own it. Uh, mm-hmm. The city owns it, but yeah. we, um, we are in the – process of going through a massive renovation mm-hmm. so a 200 million dollar renovation phase mm-hmm. two is going on this summer mm-hmm. so it'll really transform the experience mm-hmm. the arena was somewhat flawed yeah. you had the suites all on one side right and, and as you know from being around the league you want to create a better in-game experience with the clubs mm-hmm. and the lounges and we really are I feel confident that we've done that we we built a 50 million dollar practice facility uh, that's state of the art. Mm. Uh, we have our D League team coming to to, to uh, downtown, uh, or excuse me, to College Park, which is yeah. about seven miles from downtown near the airport. So we feel like we've been a real estate company that right. does a little basketball. <laughs> yeah. But um, we're also you. in the process of trying to do a, a, a sort of an LA Live type deal in downtown Atlanta. So well, it's in the perfect spot where it, it is. is, and it needs it. Yeah, it needs yeah. much like LA did twenty years ago. Well, I got to tell you, my history with Atlanta goes back a long way. My mom lived. In Atlanta when she got Uh-oh. remarried. So I was going to Hawks games and Flames games, believe it or not, Uh-oh. the old Atlanta Flames. Um, and some of the early games I did on the road were at the old Omni. Yeah. Now, you played the Omni, right? I did. With, I did. with, with the, the egg crate ceiling. Mm-hmm. And we used to have to go out. There was no catwalk there, so you couldn't put your lights up or cameras. You had to literally go out onto the roof Ooh. and then come down these pods. It was literally taking your life in your hand. It was, <laughs> it was a horrible place to work. But really good people yeah. that work there. Well, I can assure you uh, so, it'll be different now. Yeah, right? I hope so. But when Phillips opened, it was spectacular in fact i'm a huge springsteen guy and on my 50th birthday i took my then 13 year old daughter to atlanta and we went to see bruce that night at phillips arena which was a huge great experience and i had my 100 year old aunt at the time she lived to be 106 wow who lived in atlanta we had lunch with her that day so a lot of connections with atlanta and i wish you guys really well what what's your forecast on on the hawks what what's the you know kind of short-term, long-term plan? So we made a conscious decision last summer uh, to, to prepare for the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we kind of had a team that had a nice run a few years back, but we were aging, we were getting older, and, um, and so we're going to commit to building through the draft. All right, that's all the time we have for this week's edition of Legends of Sport Friday. Again, an amazing conversation with Grant Hill talking about his career playing basketball at Duke. Uh, you know, just just an incredible journey in terms of his basketball career, uh, you know, with the Detroit Pistons, having that 
postseason success with the Suns, winning a gold medal with Team USA, but just, uh, you know, and seeing what he's done post-career has been absolutely tremendous. So that's all the time we have for today. Until next time, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. 